You found it. The no-nonsense, no-script podcast you've been waiting for. Real people on real issues. Welcome to Dynamic Independence. The home of logic, reason, and common sense. Let's do it. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in today. I'm Johnny Anderson, and I'm joined today by Bruce Adams. Good afternoon, Bruce. How are you today? Good afternoon. No, uh, you know, doing well. Still, still alive, so yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. Did you get all your power back? Any more problems down there? Yeah, no more problems. Um, I'm. It, honestly, what it seems like, it was probably just like a, you know, maintenance kind of thing, upgrades or something, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. You know, I've always heard that it's very difficult to get utilities and things back up and running when you go through some kind of a disaster down there. I've always heard that it's a little difficult because as soon as a community gets their selves back, gets themselves back on their feet, it's like another tornado comes right through. Yeah. Uh, during tornado season, if you live in an area that, that has tornadoes, that is actually a, a, a real concern. You you could be hit by one. It destroys the stuff your power and uh and then you get hit with another one so yeah that's that's a very real thing and then you have the other side effects of uh those thunderstorms which is uh lightning wasn't the movie twister in oklahoma it was wasn't it probably i think that's um, where it was based in like that's where they yeah. told the story i think but yeah it's uh, a lot of flat land out there you guys are, you guys got a lot of a flat, lot of flat land, land out there. yeah that is kansas but it's still flat true true and i don't think it's i don't think it's as bad as like going from say Columbus, Ohio to Indianapolis, that is about the most boring drive you'll ever have. It is uh, once you get past to get like over to where like Dayton is, I I know you're not really familiar with this, but once Mm -hmm. you get over to like where Dayton is, which is about two or three hours outside of Indianapolis, it is just Mm -hmm. the most boring drive you could ever imagine. Like you want to just you want the auto drive to keep you in between the lanes so you can take a nap. Right, because the road doesn't move. <laughs> it is that boring. Right. I kid you not. It is that boring. It's just flat and it's just nothing. And I think it's that way all the way out until you get to Utah. I think when you hit the I-15 and you get, you take it south to like Vegas or something, I think there's mm-hmm. really nothing. But like there's nothing. There's cornfields and that's about it. Yeah, so, that's anyway. uh, honestly the panhandle is that way in Oklahoma. It, it, mm-hmm. it very much is just kind of a flat lands. But the area that I'm in, We've got some hills and stuff and um, some turns, depending on which direction you go. So it's not like, you know, it's not like a straight road. Hills. Maybe we maybe we differ a little bit when we talk about hills. A hill to me is, oh, I don't know, thousand feet up. You know, that's a hill to me. So I I think we got a little bit different uh, view on hills. What's a hill to you? 20 feet, 30 feet? Well, uh, no, it's probably probably a good 100 feet. Roughly 100 feet. Yeah, 100 feet. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Right. That's that's a, that's a hill. We we call that a foot rest in Ohio. That's that's what we call it. Uh, right. Around here, you know, yeah, they have different opinions of it. When I lived in Colorado, you know, that's <laughs> uh, the the hills around here are nothing compared to what Colorado has. I'd imagine you go from living a mile high in and around Denver back down to where you're at. Takes a little while. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyway, enough of the small talk. Nice chit-chatting about uh, the different terrains of America, though. Let's get into some good stuff, right? CNN. You watch CNN for for research purposes? Uh, Do you watch CNN? uh, Yeah, because I have to. Yeah, pretty much. Terrible, isn't it? It's terrible. Yeah. That it's absolutely terrible. I honestly, I I can't stomach it for more than a few minutes. Any mainstream news outlet in the U.S. can't do it. I can't do it. 
I really can't do it. The amount of stuff that they talk about on there is so irrelevant. It's so full of nonsense that it's unwatchable. It is literally unwatchable, and it's really difficult to try and sit through it. But CNN's Brian Stelter, you know, we played a clip here of him last week when he said that, um, is there an equivalent to (laughs) Trump bashing on the uh, on the left in in like the left networks? And they said, no, no, there's none of that. Really? Mm -hmm. Really? You're going to sit there and say stuff like that? Are you kidding me? Brian Stelter, right? He's come out and he said that offensive and otherworldly for right wing radio hosts to question Biden's health. So it's offensive to question his health. It's otherworldly. I'm not quite sure what that is. I mean, what you you come from a different planet. So you're an alien if you question his health. Is that what they're trying to say here? I I, I have I honestly I, there there's so many different ways I could go with otherworldly that I I don't know what they mean there. He says but it's otherworldly. If it's otherworldly for right wing talk radio host to question the state of presumptive Democratic presidential nominee, former Vice President Joe Biden's mental and physical health. I mean, for crying mm-hmm. out loud, look at the guy. Look, just look at him. Look at the way that he talks. He's not there. He's he's not there. And I mean, like I said, I'm not going to sit here and bash Biden because there's a cognitive issue and I'm not I'm not going to drop down to that level. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to bash him. I'll go at Joe on issues. Right. I'm happy to do that. But I'm not going to criticize him and make fun of him because of what's happening to him. What I see happening with Joe Biden is extremely sad. That is extremely sad. And it really it pains me to sit there and watch that because I mean, I don't know what he's doing. Right. I don't always I don't know if it's him doing it, if it's his family or whatever. You know, I saw a clip of him trying to form a sentence, you know, from his basement or whatever it was. And his wife was sitting there next to him. And she was just like, you could see the look on her face. Right. She knows. Mm -hmm. She knows. Yeah. So but to question it, saying it's it's offensive and otherworldly. I'm I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. The honestly, (sighs) that's what we're supposed to be like. We need to know that a possible candidate for the leader of the free world, we need to know that he's coherent. So, yes, we need to question whether or not they're they're all there uh, mentally or even physically. So if if it's so offensive for us to ask that question, then uh, what the hell are you doing asking about Trump? And, and insinuating that he has issues. I mean, if you're going to try to hold up the right to, to a certain standard, you're going to have to live up to the same standard. And clearly they haven't. They tried to bash Trump on everything they can get. It's been nothing but, oh, what was, what was the results of his cognitive test? Is he slurring his speech? You know, is he going to fall down when he's walking down the slope? D- does he need a drink of water? All of these things. Like the media is so laser focused on all that, but they're ignoring everything that's going on with Joe. And it's just, I mean, look, you have to call that stuff out. I don't care what it even I, I hate to say this, but well, I mean, I, I guess I really don't hate to say this, but you know something, if it were me, right, if it were me in the media and I was being asked to just cover it up and look, these people in the media, they're not that stupid, right? They, they're they not that stupid. You can argue, OK, well, they're doing what they're told. All right, fine. But if they had any kind of decency, any of them, I don't care who it is, if they had any kind of decency whatsoever, like I'm not talking about doing the propaganda thing and talking him up. If anything, they should come out and speak on it and say, what are we doing? Right. What, what are we doing? Like even behind the scenes or something, you're trying to tell me you're trying to tell me that no one in the media has any connections to anyone within the DNC. Is that what you're telling me? Are you serious? You're going to sit there and say that no one has any information about what's going on with him. 
it's clearly visible. The cognitive issues, it's clearly visible. And so to allow it to, to go on and not even bring light to it. They tried to do the same thing with Hillary. Do you remember? Oh, she's yeah. as healthy as can be. That was when she went down like a, uh, like a side of beef in, uh, in New York on 9-11. Yeah. And oh, it was just dehydration. Oh, no, no, no. She's got more energy than, than all of us put together. Uh-huh. Right. Okay. Chris Cuomo at CNN. Okay. Just as an example, Chris Cuomo at CNN. All right. I'm using him as an example because forget his politics. He's a healthy guy, right? He's in shape. He's fit. He works out. Clearly, you can see that. Okay. So the guy yeah. takes care of himself. He is cognitively aware, right? He knows what's going on. He, as in, he knows what's going on in the world around him. So he, of all people, should be able to tell when someone has something physically wrong with them. Because when you're in that state, like Chris Cuomo's in, when you're a really healthy person and you focus on certain things, because it's not just about physical health, it's about mental health and mental stamina, mental energy, just as much as it is physicality. So when you are of that mindset and you live that lifestyle like he lives, you notice those things. You notice those things in someone because if it were happening to you, you know exactly what to look for. That's where I'm going mm -hmm. with it. So he's got to know. He of all people, he's got to know. I don't know. I just I, I, I get really sad when I see Joe up there like that. I don't like the guy. I, I don't. I, yeah. On policy, on policy, I don't right. like him. And his dealings um, with the whole Ukraine thing and the thing with his son. OK, fine, whatever. I really don't care about that at the end of the day. But I mean, if he broke the law, fine, then let's prosecute for that. But OK, let's say you do that. He's not mentally fit to stand trial, I don't think. Yeah, yeah he's, at this point, he's not. You would have to go after the other family, the like uh, Hunter or his brother, or, you know, whatever. Not Hunter's brother, but Biden's brother, obviously. Honestly, this is how long is it going to take someone in, in his campaign to come out and say, look, this guy is nuts. Like he's he's losing it. How long is it going to take? Like he has to have people in his campaign that are completely on board. Like they're, they're like... You know, they, they've drank the Kool-Aid. I don't think Joe's because nuts. I don't think he's nuts. I, I think he's well, I think he's no, losing right. cognitive yeah. ability. I think he's losing right. his his grip on who he is and where he is. I don't think he's bonkers. I, like, I don't think he's crazy. I think he's just he's just losing his grip on himself. It, the case in point, when he went up on stage in that community center, the Kingwood Community Center, whatever it was, mm -hmm. and he knew he knew that he messed up and he took that mask yeah. off and you could see the look on his face. And you know what look I'm talking about. You see that yeah. look on his face. He knew that he didn't know where he was. And that's that. That's one of the saddest looks you can you can imagine when you see someone that's gone through that, because I know that look. I still would argue he is kind of nuts because he's he has these cognitive issues and he knows he has these cognitive issues. Like, it's clear he knows that he's he's degrading. I mean, how can you not? Right. When you're in the middle, like, I don't know, I, I've seen family that has that issue that's had cognitive issues and they get frustrated because they can't remember something or they can't. You know, it, it really frustrates them. So why is he still in it? That's why I think he's a little nuts is because he's still in it. Like he's still running. Like, what are you doing? I don't know, man. It, it just I'm I'm on board with the honestly, we don't even have to bash. We don't have to bash him. I mean, I, I don't taking, want to. taking that out of the site, you know, taking all that out. Right. We don't have to because Trump's going to do it uh, when that first debate comes up, man, it's going to be a freaking it's going to be elder abuse. It's going to be I mean, <laughs> he's going to be uh, um, attacking. What, what are they going to say? Like some kind of like 
by a minimally handicapped person or something. I don't know what whatever you know the what? I, honestly, correct term is now. I, I don't what they're all going to say. Yeah. But here's the thing, though, when it comes to that, because, you know, this, you know, exactly that's how it's going to be. Right. You know, that's exactly yeah. how it's going to be. And you you can't take pleasure in that if you're a viewer and you have any kind of I mean, I couldn't. I don't want to see that. I really don't want to see that. Mm-hmm. I know that Trump would have this guy for lunch, right? As oh, in yeah. the, the debate. I mean, he would wipe the floor. With uh-huh. There's no doubt yeah. about that. But I don't want to see it. I really don't want to see it. And it's not because I don't want to see Trump go up there and destroy the guy politically, right? That's not what I, that's not what I'm saying, right? I want to see a good, healthy debate between two people yeah. duking it out for an office. I do want to see that. Of course I do. I don't care who it is. I, I'd want to see... Um, Honestly, I'd like to see a debate between Barack Obama and Bernie Sanders, wouldn't you? Who's the bigger socialist? Right? Uh-huh. I would actually I would love a, to see that. A fun one. A fun one it that I'm be. looking forward to is uh, Kamala and Pence. That's actually yeah, okay. going to be interesting. Right. Those two. Yeah. 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 I, I would like to see that. But Trump and Biden, I don't want to see that. I, I really don't want to see that. And it's because I feel sorry for Joe. I really do. Yeah. You can say what you want. You can say what you want. And like I said, I'm not I'm not with Joe. Right. I, I don't I don't endorse the guy on policy, right on policy. But I won't demean myself. I won't put myself down to that level to to make fun of the guy because I know what he's going through. And and right. I feel for that. I really do feel for that. And I don't want to see him on stage. And if the Democrat Party puts him on stage, I mean, th- those people have no shame. None. I mean, I, don't, I think they already don't. But you, you can't put, you can't do that to the poor man. You can't do it. I mean, this is where my soft side's coming in. You know, you can't do that to the poor guy. It, it just uh, and it bugs it bugs me because I don't know what's going on. I don't know if it's him doing it, if it's Joe doing it, or yeah. if if it's someone else putting them up there to to make sure that he keeps the network insulated. If you know what I mean, right, right. And that that's what I was going to bring up is uh, we don't necessarily know if it's if he's the one that's being bullheaded and saying no, I got this, we can do this, or if it's exactly as you said. Or if it's just, uh, well, he was the the front runner. He's the one winning. So now we're going to use him to bring in the people that we want. Um, so uh, I don't know what the intention is here. Um, Kamala is honestly, she's just a, an empty she's suit, not, if you will. She is. She's not tied up in, in that, that mess, if you know what I mean. The Spygate stuff, she's not yeah. tied up in uh, that. But I mean, Susan she will Rice, be if, if, no, he's she will like, be, if he's elected. But Susan Rice yeah. is. That's why I thought she was yeah. going to make it. Right. Well, she'll definitely be in the cabinet. She'll she'll be brought into the cabinet somewhere, but I don't know exactly where. Uh, maybe maybe Secretary of Defense or something. Or I mean, she'll be put into some position that she'll have power and be able to work behind the scenes to make sure everything's covered. But if if Biden gets elected, that Spygate is going to completely oh, disappear. Yeah, it's, it's it, yeah. Anything else on Joe? Um, okay, let, let's look at. Hold on a second. No, let's look at Stelter mm-hmm. here for a second because we kind of, as we went off onto that tangent, but we really didn't lose focus. But as as we talked about Joe, is it offensive to to make fun of Joe? That's, I mean, that's kind of how we started. Is it offensive to make fun of Joe? I think it's offensive to make fun of Joe for his cognitive stuff. Okay, yeah, I draw the line there, right? Because I won't do it. Yeah. But is it offensive to question his mental health? No, no, it's not. I don't think. Again, that's a requirement for president, right? I mean, we have things in place that when when the the, the president is no longer cognitively aware or able to to lead, essentially, that's when we have to, we we have 
things in place to replace a president in that situation. So it's a very real question. Is he able to function? I mean, seriously, it, can you imagine him on on like on the opposite side of a a um, uh, I want to say debate table, but, uh, you know, like a um, discussion with Putin or, or, you know, trying to make some kind of treaty or, or no. business deal or something or no, China? I can't. Uh, maybe or North Korea. I mean, before, I mean, before. Yeah. But not now. Yeah. Maybe like maybe like eight or 10 years ago. Sure. When but, he was VP uh, for Obama. Yes. Yeah. I could see. Yeah. That. But now, no, I, I can't. That's that's the thing. When you when you look at him from when he was VP to now, there's been a very clear decline in his cognitive abilities. And I hate it for him. I hate uh, just any human being. I don't even even like crazy dictators and whatnot. I still as a human being, I don't wish that on people. Right. I, I would rather them go through. Like, for example, with Biden's case, I would rather he go through some kind of, you know, the justice system and everything. I would I would rather something affair than uh, like a cognitive decline. Uh, I, just as a human being, I, I don't I hate that for for. Yeah, man, it's terrible. It's really it's I mean, honestly, I'm not I'm not being funny. I'm not being facetious, but it's just it's really sad. It's, it's really sad. All right. Trump is saying that uh, we might have to have a, another election because he's he's talking about how the. Uh, uh, they're, they're invalidating the uh, election over the mail-in voting thing, which, OK, right? we talked about mail-in voting yesterday. I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't know where it came from. And all of a sudden it's just here. And, and there's all kinds of I mean, clearly there's fraud going on with it already. And then, of course, the post office, we're going to get into the post office here in just a minute. They're asking for more money for the post office. They're asking for the postmaster general to be removed. And they're saying that Trump is undermining democracy. They're trying to turn everything in the post office into a political issue. And it's like, can we just have something without politics? Is that possible? Can, can we just do that? No, no. Everything's going to be political now. Even sports and, you know, entertainment, everything's well, entertainment's been going for a while. Uh, political, but honestly, I wish we had statistics on this. I wish I had more statistics. I've I've looked for them before, and it's difficult to find because I've heard some numbers quoted and uh, other states that have been doing like mail-in voting things for uh, the primary, and it's pretty horrendous. Like they're they're talking. Some states had like a four percent ballot failure. Like so, in other words, the the ballot failed to get to the people, and then uh, the ones that did make it to the people, there was another failure. Uh, just getting the ballot and then getting it counted. So there was something like a four percent margin of error, or, or in that vicinity. And when you're talking, you know, uh, let's say about 150 million people vote, right? Roughly. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when you're when you're talking that, and then a four percent failure rate, that's that's six million votes. Like that's an entire state. You know, like one of the swing states. So uh, I mean, that's that's huge. So uh, I and then on top of that, they're talking about they want to get rid of the Electoral College like that's been on the books. Well, yeah, they want to get rid of the Electoral College. But let me explain. Right. I've said this statistic before. It's out there. You can do your own research on this. If you get rid of the Electoral College. okay, if you get rid of the Electoral College, the county of Los Angeles. okay, just like not the city, but the county of Los Angeles can outvote 47 U.S. states. Yep. Now, think about that. But that's my that's my point. Like if they did that. And then did mail-in voting. There is no check or balance 
uh, to fight against voter fraud. It's right. it's all it, it's completely dictated by voter fraud, which this makes, it's who this can outfraud me, the other. Right. And this leads me to believe, which honestly, they're not going to win the Electoral College. It's just not going to happen. That's why they want to abolish it. They're not they're not going to make it with the Electoral College. I think they're going for the popular vote here. Right. I think they're going to yeah. they're going to try because that's what they did the last time. They didn't do yeah. the mail in voting thing last time. But I was awake when that went on. Mm-hmm. And Trump clearly had the popular vote. He had it clearly. I mean, he was way mm-hmm. out in front. After victory was declared and after concession was made by the Hillary camp, all of a sudden, after everybody went to bed, right? Because everybody said, oh, okay, here's the winner, you know, and everybody went to everybody made their announcements, right? All the Americans went to bed. Guess what? I was making coffee and I stayed up and I watched that popular vote. I watched that popular vote. It went up exponentially. I almost said exponentially. <laughs> it, it, it went up exponentially after everybody went to bed. And then the next day when everybody woke back up, what was the talking point in the media? Oh, she won the popular vote. She won the popular. Hillary uh, won the popular vote. See, we got to get rid of that electoral college. We got to get rid of that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. And we know full well she didn't she didn't win it. No, no. Because all of a sudden, like it's what? All, all of a sudden you've got 18 wheelers full of ballots that just show up. I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah, that doesn't. And that's no. that's exactly what will happen if we have mail-in voting. So, OK, he's saying, right, I'm going to go over some of what he said here. He says the Democrats want to make it a political issue. Well, I, <laughs> uh, voting is a political issue, Mr. President. I hate to tell you that. It's not a political issue. It's really about a correct vote. You have to get voting right. You can't have millions and millions of ballots sent all over the place, sent to people that are dead, sent to dogs, cats, sent to everyone. This is a serious situation. This isn't games and you have to get it right. I can't disagree with him, right? Because that's what we're talking about here. That's what's happening. That's what's happening. Somebody, I mean, I, I saw something again. I'm seeing this stuff every day, right? It's coming up on my parlor feed when I'm when I'm surfing around on parlor and people are saying, they're putting videos up. They're saying, uh, just got 10 ballots for my dead father who's been dead for six years. Yeah. What, like, what are you supposed to do with that? What are you supposed to do with that? So, OK, how do you know? You go through and you fill out 10 ballots of your dead father who's been dead for six years. You send them all in. There's 10 votes. And guess what? He just happens to be registered Democrat. Yeah. So you well, can't you, you have heard about an election on that. You can't have an election. on. You that. heard about you heard about what happened in Florida. Yeah. The um so in Florida, you were having candidates. Uh, I don't know if it was a, a race for governor or uh, one of the, the House or Senate or whatever, but they had um, uh, basically part of their campaigns would go in and help people fill out their their um, ballot. What? Yeah. Yeah. They, they literally committed voter fraud and it, it was OK. It just kind of skated right by. Nobody really. You might as well do that now. That. I mean, that sounds that's yeah. almost what they're doing. You, you might as well do that yeah. now. Yeah. Uh, so. so it's ugh, it's yeah, it's, it's terrible. We, we can't we can't do this. The the voting. Honestly, was he re, was he referencing voting being political or was he referencing the um, uh, post? I think he's talking. I think he's talking about the mail in voting process itself, because okay. we do have a process for voting by mail. It's different, though. It's the absentee system. That's completely different. But uh, he did go on to say, uh, he says, you can't take, uh, this is his quote, says you can't take millions of ballots, send them haphazardly all over the country or all over a state and expect it to come out properly. By the way, absentee is great. It's been working for a long time, like in Florida, right? That's that's true. It's been working for, we've been doing absentee for years, right? It's It's a different system. It's not this. It is not this. Absentee, you request it and it comes in and then you send it back. 
Absentee is great, but universal is going to be a disaster, the likes of which our country's never seen. That's true. That's true. Like I said, yeah. there is a process. There is a process. There is a chain of custody when it comes to absentee. It's a sealed envelope. No one sees it. It's certified. It's secure. Has to be signed off on. And you know what? If you don't feel comfortable dropping it in the mail, you don't have to. You don't have to. You can take it to your, if you're overseas. You can take it to the nearest consulate general or the nearest embassy, and they will put it in the diplomatic pouch, which is sealed and carried by a person back to the U.S. every day. So. There's a different process here. There's a different process. First and foremost, you have to be a registered voter. And they give you a ballot. There's one. You get one ballot. That's all you get. Not 10 of them showing up addressed to your dead grandfather or your father or anything like that. None of that. It's one ballot. That's what you get. And it's addressed to you. You fill it out. You send it back in a secure mailer or into the diplomatic pouch. And it gets counted. A completely different process. So why can't we use that system? Well, then you'd have to go through the process of making sure that everybody's a registered voter, which you know that what that problem is. They'll make the same argument there. They do with voter ID. Oh, well, we can't do that because then they'll argue, oh, voter suppression, voter suppression, voter suppression. What? So you have to be a registered mm -hmm. voter, right? That's voter suppression now is being a registered voter. Just for clarification here, uh, and this is for the listener. Do you know that voting is not actually a right? It's a privilege. It in is the United privilege. States. The voting is one of the things that can actually be taken away from you legally. When you go to prison, you don't get the right to vote. It's not a right. It's a privilege. Whereas uh, the First Amendment and the Second Amendment are rights and the government can't take them away under any circumstance. Well, I mean, that's what it's intended. And obviously, if you're a felon and you go to prison, you get your, your Second Amendment right taken away, which is mm -hmm. unconstitutional. Which, but that's that's an argument for another day. Well, not really. They're They're reversing that in certain states right now. I think Iowa was one to reverse it. And I think one of the New England states, I can't remember which one, and they're talking about doing it in Florida, reversing it. If you're a felon, you can now vote. Right. In in um, in prison or out of uh, when you. No, no, no. Because when you, when you, once you're out, out of prison. So I thought you can vote again once you're out of prison. No, you cannot. If you're a felon. No, you can't. If you're a convicted okay. felon, you cannot. OK. See, it so, used to be that I mean, way. It used to be that way. Same thing with your guns. Right. If you were a convicted felon, you go to prison, you do your time, you um pay your debt to society. I'm doing the air quotes. And then you come oh. back out. You've rehabilitated yourself. And you get your guns back. It was a different time then, right? It was a different time. People had a different attitude back then. It wasn't a crime school to go into prison back then. Not, not largely. So people would go in, would do their time. They'd come back out. They'd go back to work. That's what it was. So yeah, I mean, it was, like I said, different time. But yes, they used to be able to go through and, and get their rights back when they would come back out, but not any longer. Okay, see, I, I didn't even realize that. I thought that's exactly what the system is. So now I have a problem with the system. So yeah, it should be that way. Um, I, I don't, once you've paid your debt to society, that's it, you're done. I mean, if they aren't rehabilitated, then, you know, that's something we need to reform the prison system over. And it, oh, there's a lot know, of work doesn't, to do on the prison system. There's a lot there, there is a lot of work, but I, I, I have issue when the government starts taking away rights and all that kind of stuff under any circumstance Agreed. when they're supposed to be, you know, permanent. They're, they're like the government's not supposed to be able to take those. And how are we OK with? Well, we're OK with it because it's criminals. And so we're like, yeah, well, I, like I yeah. said, anyway. I, I'm not I'm not on board with the fact that a felon gets their guns taken away for good. Right. I'm not on board with that. I'm sorry, because first of all, shall not be infringed is pretty clear. Now, if you go to prison, you do your time and you come out and you legitimately try to get yourself back on track. I mean, you know, you're if you're a rehabilitated person, I got no problem with that. If you're going to go through the legal process, I'm I'm even on board with the even if you're not a rehabilitated person. And I, I know this is going to sound bad, but 
even if you're not rehabilitated and you get out of prison, your right gets reinstated. It's not for the government to take away your rights under any circumstance, in my opinion. But obviously, we have to take them away when you go to prison. But even if you're not rehabilitated and you plan to come out of prison and do the same thing over again, well, you still get your rights back. I mean, you you have to give people that chance because you don't know, you know. I mean, you, you, so I, I'm I, I don't like the idea of the government saying, well, you know, you're 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 out of prison now, uh, and you you did a violent crime, you're you're a violent felon, so you don't get your your Second Amendment rights back. Now, what are they going to do next? First Amendment right? You don't have the right to peacefully assemble or to, I don't know, free speech? I mean, so it's just, it's a very slippery slope, but it's dangerous when, when we start allowing that. I agree. I agree. But I mean, we could go down to all different kinds of ways, like twisted ways with that conversation. We could get down into like the economy being sold out and people not having opportunities mm-hmm. to create better life for themselves and all that stuff. I mean, we could go a lot of ways with that, but we're going to try and yep. keep on topic here because we tend to drift a little bit, but that's a topic yeah, for another day, I think. Mm-hmm. So, okay. With the post office here, what is this deal about? Like they're trying to promote this agenda now in the U.S. where uh, Trump's impounding mail trucks and he's removing post boxes and all that stuff. What is <laughs> yeah. this? Yeah. What is this? Okay. So like any business right now, now the new, um, uh, what is it? Postmaster general or whatever the, whatever. Yes. The yeah. Bernie wants him removed. We is. talked about it yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So he's a CEO or used to be a CEO. So he's, he's used to running businesses, right? He, he understands the concept. Now, typically what businesses do when they're, when they're having, um, kind of a gap between profit margins, right? They typically cut the dead weight. So basically what's happening here is like any other, uh, time in history, when something isn't functioning well or isn't being used, utilized, isn't profitable, then it's trimmed. So a lot of these areas, some of the pictures that we're seeing are actually old pictures from years past. Some of the pictures we're seeing are actually recent, but they're the, either the, the mailboxes are being replaced or they're being moved to another location that is more used, you know, where, where they need the, the post, the, the, the box there. The thing is, is a lot of these places have multiple boxes and they're just removing the majority of the boxes and still leaving a few left. It's not like they're, they're completely removing your, your ability to send uh, mail, which, by the way, you still have mailboxes and you still have, um, you know, the ability to take it to the post office yourself. So it's not like you're being trapped and not being able to send your mail. It, it, it's 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 hyperbolic. They're trying to find something stealing, to throw at Trump. Stealing your vote. Trump's trying to undermine democracy. Yeah. That's what yeah. he's doing. Yeah, that, that's what that's that's the narrative. And that's what uh, that's what they're pushing with this whole conspiracy. House Democrats have come up with a twenty five billion dollar uh, measure, I guess, to um to support the post office in their standalone bill. So they've put this together. Speaker Pelosi, she called the House back into session. She brings them back. I thought they were all worried about COVID and they can't be there. It's not possible. We can't mm. we can't put you there. We can't we can't put you back in the house. There's too much of a risk and we just can't do it. But if it's this, oh, it's fine. No, it's fine. We, we can do this all day long. So they're concerned, right? And the public is concerned, of course. Now, mm, see, yes, the public is they're told to be. Yes, they're concerned that President Trump and his new handpicked postmaster general are attempting to hollow out the service and make it unable to process mail-in ballots. So they've put together a $25 billion bill that matches the level of funding that was included in the House's $3.5 trillion coronavirus relief plan, right? You remember that one? 
which that didn't mm. pass. $25 billion. $25 billion. Okay, so the post office is basically, it's running on fumes right now. And so there's not a whole lot that can go that can go into the post office. But you know something? The post office is the government. They get a spending package every year, right? So it's not like this is an independent company or something, which is what I think they should do. I think they should mm. privatize the post office. I live in a country right at the moment that has a privatized post office. DHL runs the post office here. Now, it is a little more expensive, just a little bit, but you can get a letter from one end of the country to the next in a day, right? It's possible. Now, here's uh, what happens. Go ahead. Hold on. One one, one thing real quick. The, uh, the expense that you're talking about, it is a little more expensive. No, when you take into to account that your taxes help pay for the post office, mm-hmm. it's probably not more expensive. It's probably cheaper in the long run. But anyway, no, that's no, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. And to be fair, though, I mean, I've used the postal service in the U.S. for decades, right? It's not that mm-hmm. bad of a service. It's not, and I know Depends people that have. At. Okay, fair enough. And and I know people that have worked for the Postal Service. Great people, right? I mean, you, you know how it is, especially if you're from a small town, Bruce, you're on a first name basis with your postman pretty much. It's usually the same person, right? Same man or woman who's been doing it for, for decades. They've been delivering your mail for years. The thing is, is that it's not the average postal worker's fault that the post office is going through hell. And I'm sure that they can do the best they can with all this, but not even they are saying that this is going to be legit. What are you supposed to do? You can throw money at the Postal Service all day long, but as long as the government's there and as long as the government runs it, then the post office will always be there. It's not like it's going to go away, right? So why are they making such a big deal out of it? Is it just the distraction? Is it just the agenda-driven distraction you're talking about? Is that all this is? Yeah, I, I think it is a distraction because... Um, uh that one of the bills that were actually passed, one of the um, bailouts, it funded the um, post office until next year, sometime next year. So it has enough money to do all of this for the election. But uh, they they they're they're running and saying, oh, they don't have enough money. We have to throw more, more money at it. When really the biggest expenditure uh, tied to the post office, the reason it costs so much, uh, the the billions of dollars that it costs. It's because of the pensions. It's because of the, the the retirement stuff that's associated with with it. It's not uh, it's not the actual function and operation of it. So really, if they were if they were required to function similar to something like uh, UPS or FedEx or something, you know, um, which there was a recording back in the early two thousands of Obama talking about that at a town hall meeting, saying, "Look at FedEx and UPS and." Look at how um, how they're doing. They're doing right. Okay, right. And the USPS is struggling even back then. Hmm. Which we actually have that recording. So let's go ahead and play that now. If you, if you think about it, uh, you know, UPS and FedEx are doing just fine, right? The, the uh, no, they are. I mean, it's it's the post office that's always having problems. All right, I, I can see that, and it's been struggling for a long time. It's nothing new, but. It's not the average postal worker's fault. It's the mismanagement of government. That's what I chalk it up to. Because here's the thing. If a business mismanages something, guess what? They lose money, right? They lose profit. So they have to reorganize. They'll have to go through, clear everything out and restructure. Otherwise, they lose money, right? That's how a business operates. So they're not going to lose money. They're not going to hurt their profits. So they're going to change whatever they need to change in order to become productive and profitable again, right? A government doesn't do that. A government just continues to throw money at it and and do all this and don't worry about reorganizing and we're going to change this policy and we're going to change that policy. We're going to change this procedure. But nothing ever gets fixed. 
Trump brought this postmaster general in to try and do some type of fixing, right? Yeah, that was my understanding. He was he was brought in to to cut some of the excess weight, try to try to uh, make it a more profitable business. Uh, part of the reason that the the post office, like when you go there and and you can send a letter cheaper through the post office than you can for FedEx or USPS or U, uh, UPS, it's because it's it's government subsidized. So mm-hmm. I mean, essentially, your tax dollars are paying for the cheaper prices, you know, to to cover the costs. So either way, you're still paying the same amount, roughly. The costs are about the same to do all this as it is for the other the businesses that they're competing with. And like I said, it's not that bad of a service. I've used it before, not not just nationally, but internationally. And it's really not that bad. You said they've got enough money to operate, right? There's enough money for them to do this. So I mean, I, honestly, I think I think they're just they're they're using it as a political pawn, and it's 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 quite disgusting. Look, there's real problems at the post office that need to be fixed. I mean, what was the last president to actually fix something with the U.S. Postal Service? Was it Calvin Coolidge? Was he the last one? I think. I think so. Yeah, that's when he was going down and cutting everything, including the color of the satchels. Instead of being blue, he went yeah. with white or something because they're cheaper. Oh my, how far we've fallen, right? It's been a hundred years. <laughs> so, all right. So yes, the, the postal service, I don't know, man. What what are they going to do with it, right? What what are they going to do with it? I don't know. If, like there's a way to fix it. There's a way to salvage it. Like I said, first and foremost, stop Saturday deliveries. Stop it. Stop that nonsense. Stop the unnecessary transport of parcels and letters. Stop that. Case in point, I come from a small town. It takes four hours of transit time, not to mention sorting, it takes four hours of transit time to send a letter across town. That's stupid. That's ridiculous. How much time, how much money have you wasted by doing that? There's no longer a sorting center in little towns. There's no longer sorting centers in uh, regional areas, even largely. You have to go to state capital sorting centers. So you do have the branch, but they don't sort it there usually if it's going somewhere else. They don't sort it and, and send it out and re- remail it there. It doesn't happen anymore. Now it goes into a box. That box gets loaded onto a truck at the end of business. It goes to the capital sorting center. They sort it and send it back. How much sense does that make? How much money is that losing? Who thought of that? That's That kind of stuff's got to stop. That's got to stop. I don't know how in the world you can operate efficiently with that kind of a, uh, a procedure. It just doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. On top of that, you, you also have uh, things like uh, electronic stuff, like emails. You know, I mean, that now you no longer have to send a letter to someone. Now you can just send an email or a text message or something. I mean, now it's, it, there, there's so many other mediums we can use that we don't need the uh, post office as much anymore. And uh, it, it, this is this is a fun one. An article from 2009, right, out of Washington Post, stated that within the last 20 years, 200,000 mailboxes have been removed from city streets, rural routes, and suburban neighborhoods. We're we're talking about a few. I mean, during the Obama administration alone, there was 14,000 mailboxes that were removed. So. It, it honestly, I think it, it has more to do with exactly as we were, we were saying. It's about inefficiencies. It's about cutting the costs and everything and putting them in more trafficked areas that would see the use of the mailbox. I, I Honestly, what, 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 what's the problem? You know, I, I, I don't see any issue here personally. Let's um, I tell you what. All right. Let, let's let's get off the post office. Right. You're um, your favorite governor. Um, he's, I, I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that he's quite possibly, I think, one of the best governors in the country. I'm, I'm not trying to be biased here or anything. Governor Andrew Cuomo up in New York talked a lot about him lately. And 
He's decided. Do you know who I'm talking about, Bruce? Yeah, your favorite governor? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's my favorite, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh, yeah. Well, everybody's in the book business now, right? Everybody's per- everybody's publishing mm-hmm. books, right? Everybody wants to write a book. Well, he was one of the keynote speakers at um, at the DNC, I believe, yeah? He uh, he gave a he gave a blistering virtual Democratic National Convention speech. So mm. he was calling Trump's response to the crisis, the pandemic, right? Incompetent. That's what he was calling it. And he's decided that he's going to write a book because he's got so much time, right? He's got so much time to write a book. He, he's going to write a book and it's going to be available on, uh, I believe it's October. I think I October. October thirteenth, three weeks before the election, and uh, they're they're going to um, they're going to advertise it. Of course, he's going to write the book on his leadership, not Trump's, but his Governor Cuomo. He's going to write it on his leadership and how his leadership is what was the positive response in everything with the pandemic, everything in in New York with that particular crisis, and. Like, I'm trying to do this with a straight face. Dude, you have the worst numbers in the world. And you're going to write a book talking about how you did everything right. You took the leadership role. You're, you're going to publish a book on how you're in a better position of leadership as opposed to Trump on this. I'm not I'm not cheerleading for Trump here. I'm just talking about the number of deaths in the state of New York. It was the worst in the world. Uh, excuse me as I'm sitting here seething. Is, is this Chairman Mao or something? Like, what, what kind of propaganda BS is this? You're going to write a book about how wonderful you did, how wonderful you're the absolute worst in the world, literally. And you had policies that were specifically killing people. I don't know what to say about that. I mean, seriously, it's like how freaking arrogant. It's just freaking narcissistic. You know, I look at I look at this kind of stuff that, that comes out like this, and it's like, first of all, you're writing a book, okay? You're, you're publishing a book. How many people read books anymore, with the rare exception? I mean, I have a lot of books, and I, I read a lot of books, but how, a lot of our how is it? Do. Uh, do they? Okay. Because everything yep. seems to be going digital. So the number mm-hmm. of books that are being published is really not that high. Or excuse me, the number of books that are being bought is really not that high. But the number of books that are being published are still there. But... But here's the thing. You're getting into an area now of the publishing industry that is largely not publishing books because they have a specific way to look at things, as in they follow the agenda, shall we say. Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't fit that agenda, then no one will publish it. This is the other problem when you have organizations like the CCP that get into publishing, which we're going to talk about China's sharp power strategy. That's part of it. They get into uh, publishing. But Nonetheless, you notice the anti-Trump books that are out. John Bolton, Michael Cohen's mm-hmm. books getting ready to come out. Oh, it's a tell-all. John Bolton's book <laughs> was supposed to be a tell-all. Oh, yeah, it's supposed to be a tell-all. And now this one. So clearly, everything is is an all-out assault on Trump. See, Trump has to be gotten rid of, right? That's mm-hmm. that's the deal. He's in the way. He's in the way. All this stuff that was that's uh, that's going on with Corona and the riots and the lockdowns and all that stuff. Look, that stuff was coming regardless. That stuff was coming regardless. Trump wasn't supposed to happen. All this was supposed to happen under Hillary. And can you imagine where we'd be right now if she was in there? God help the world. If she was in there right now, Trump is a fly in the ointment for these people. He's not supposed to be there. So he's got to be gotten rid of. And they are doing their damnedest on all fronts to get rid of this guy. Everything they know how to do, right? Apart from an open assassination attempt. God, I hope they don't figure that one out. But apart from that, they're doing everything they can possibly do to try and discredit this guy in the public eye. Do you honestly think that people out there don't see what's happening 
in places like New York? Do you know what's going on up there? First of all, you have a governor who's a power mad dictator, along with that sick mayor from New York. They genocided the elderly population up there in the nursing homes with this COVID policy. They had the worst Mm -hmm. numbers in the world for COVID response. The worst. And you're going to come out and you're going to write a book on how you did great. Fauci's going to talk you up about how, how you did it right in New York and nowhere else did. What kind of sick freaks are you people? You think people can't see through that? You think the native New Yorkers that you've run out of there? New York's a ghost town. Manhattan's a ghost town. Midtown Manhattan, it's 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 vacant. Yeah. Media's it's not telling up. you that. It's boarded up. They're not telling you that. You you want to talk about Midtown Manhattan? Sure. No, do you want to, do you want to talk about the video you saw? Oh, the video. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah, they were down what is it? 5th Avenue? Is that what it is? I I'm 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 not good with mm-hmm. New York stuff. Um but anyway, he was yeah, driving down the street and taking a video of it and block after block after block, you see all the storefronts are all boarded up. There's nobody walking. I remember seeing like videos in like movies or 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 people taking recordings and stuff from New York and just the streets are full of people walking. I've the, been the, down. The I've been traffic down is cr- nuts. It and is. nobody. There was no people. There was only one other car that you've seen pass by while during the the recording, uh, going by like three blocks. All the storefronts are closed up, boarded up because they they had been uh, either the store is shut down permanently or they were uh, attacked during the riots uh, or what have you. They they were all boarded up. It was it just it was a ghost town, and I don't ever recall seeing New York like that. So Manhattan is a ghost town. Right. All the, the boroughs, ghost town. Right. The crime's out of control. The crime's out of control. We'll get it. I tell you what, we'll talk about the crime. Trump has sent a warning to de Blasio. New York has seen a massive increase in shootings. It's up over 150 percent. Five people died in shootings in the city. They had five people dead across the city in 30 shootings last weekend. This is going to be as bad as Chicago. There were shootings in every borough last weekend. Forty three shooting victims, 10 times the number over the same weekend a year ago. 49 people, 49 people were shot in total. 49 people were shot in 72 hours in New York City, right? In all the boroughs. And since the beginning of the year, okay, there've been 1,087 victims of shootings in the city. Compare that to 577 for 2019. 263 deaths in the city compared to 196 in 2019. That's just this year. The year's not over yet. They had 196 in all of 2019. They're already at 263. And that number from 2019 was the entire year, right? That was the entire year, yeah. That's crazy, man. Here, here's the thing. you got a perfect storm brewing up there, right? New York is collapsing. Mm-hmm. It's collapsing. I hate, to, I hate to tell you this. New York's collapsing. It's not the pandemic that did it. That's just the trigger that that allowed these uh, these control freaks to get away with what they're getting away with. You've got people that are abandoning the city. They're leaving. They're leaving. They're not coming back. What was it Cuomo said? The guy's out there on TV on his knees begging the rich people to come back that their sick policies ran out. Yeah. You're setting up checkpoints in the city over a a, a BS pandemic. You're setting up $10,000 fines for people. You're going to charge people $10,000 if they break a quarantine order. Who in their right mind would go there? You're running businesses out. You're running people with money out. You're running job creators out. You're running the citizenry out. The looting's out of control. The crime's out of control. The bums are out of control. Who in their right mind would want to live there? And you have the gall to come out and call yourself a leader? That That's a le- that's leadership? What have I said many times here when we talk about these, these so-called elite people? These are not leaders. See, we need leaders. 
and we need leadership. This is not a leader. De Blasio is not a leader. These are destroyers. They're repressors. These are not people that believe in prosperity. These are not people that believe in business. These are not people that believe in communities, believe in families. If they believed in all that stuff, then they would be doing everything within their power to open that state and that city as rapidly as possible. But instead, they're continuing to shut everything down. That kind of makes you wonder just mm -hmm. what side they're really on. Or what their goal is. Is it, uh, are you guys intentionally shutting things down and destroying the city? Is that intentional? Are you intentionally trying to get property values to decrease, which I believe they're on a 30% uh, cheaper now? Uh, you mm -hmm. can get an apartment for 30% mm -hmm. less than what they were worth last year. So yeah. is that... Is that an overall goal to, oh, I don't know, buy out the city and and do these, um, uh, what was it, the, the 250 square feet mm -hmm. domiciles or whatever the mm -hmm. hell it was? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. I, I think that's kind of the direction they're going with it. We'll get into that with 2030. But yes, that's kind of where they're going with it. And then they'll make it to where... You know, you if you want all these things, then you have to go to the cities. And, you know, people kind of laughed at me when I said, I said, oh, yeah, wait till they start revamping the cities. And they're like, what do you mean? <laughs> I said, just wait. So, yeah, I think that's where they're going. But of course, that's a conspiracy theory. So, we yeah, we, we don't want to go course. down there. Yes. Yeah. Just a conspiracy mm -hmm. theory. Mm -hmm. But yes, mm -hmm. uh, he's publishing a book. And yeah, but anyway, uh, Trump, right, his warning to NYC. If you can't get that under control, there's a way to get it under control. Uh, th there is a way to fix that. But it's going to require federal action. Now, that's, I think, the position they're trying to put him in is they're trying to put him in a spot where he has to respond because people will cry out for it. Who in their right mind is going to support this? I'm talking about the policies where it allows all this crime to increase. Who in their right mind is going to support this? Do you think the average person out there who's a Democrat, by the way, who's a Democrat voter? And I feel sorry for Democrat voters. I do. I do. Do you think the average Democrat out there wants policies like this in a city? Do you think they want that in their neighborhoods? Because I don't think they do. No. I don't think they no. do. I don't think that they want to get on board with a party that endorses that kind of behavior. They don't. And you say, OK, well, I'm in the suburbs. I don't care about that. They're going to come to the suburbs. They're going to come to rural America. They've already said they would. They're already starting to veer out into the suburbs now. You notice that? BLM? Yeah. Starting to get out into the suburbs. Yeah, I've, I've seen some uh, some video of that in the suburbs, and they're they're shouting on loudspeakers and, or mm -hmm. on uh, Two o'clock in the morning? Whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Well, th this one, one of the videos was uh, in broad daylight, and they were uh, screaming at the the white people that live there and all that. It, it, it just, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're starting to move that direction. And honestly, I... I Sincerely hope they don't go into those areas, not just because I, I don't want to see them there. And what, like, I'm legitimately concerned for the protesters, the rioters safety. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm concerned for the, the people that live there. But like if you come into like a rural area like around here, it won't go well. The rioting is typically not allowed, shall we say. And I'm really concerned that there will be force used against these rioters. I, I don't want to see people getting hurt, property damaged, or people getting killed. And I'm concerned that when they go into these rural areas, you'll be shot. And that is it. I mean, Castle Doctrine, Oklahoma. Yes, you have Castle Doctrine. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing with Texas. Same thing with a lot of other U.S. states. Florida. 
Yeah, you got Castle Doctrine. County sheriffs are on board with the community. They advise their community members to own firearms and to protect themselves and their properties and their families. So, yeah, I got to agree with you, Bruce. It's not going to go well. But Trump Mm -hmm. has said, yeah, Trump has warned uh, de Blasio's office. He said that the federal government would act if his office fails to get a grip on the ongoing increase in violent crime in the city. Trump tweeted, law and order, if... And he did the little at thing to the New York City mayor. He says, if the New York City mayor can't do it, we will. Looking at his suite here. So, uh, okay, you know, there there is a way to restore law and order. But yeah, I mean, what are you supposed to do? What are you supposed to do? This is the same thing we ran into in Portland, right? Same thing we ran into in Seattle, things of that nature. Mm -hmm. But see, I don't think the protesters have gone after de Blasio yet, have they? They haven't gone after him yet. See, if they go after him, I think he might be singing a different tune. Maybe, maybe. Because that's what it took for the Seattle mayor. When they went after her, then all of a sudden she's she decided she was going to shut him down. The next day, within a few hours, Chaz was shut down. Yeah. Ted Wheeler, yeah. right? The Portland mayor. He goes down in amongst the protesters. Guess what? Hey, he's on your side, right? He's on your side. He's allowing you people to go out there and burn. And look what happened to him. You know, I, I just want... I- I want, and I, I think this is the the general opinion of of most Americans. Just we want to go back to normal. We're we're tired of the riots. It's not doing any benefit. I mean, it's it's hurting your position. It's hurting your the things that you're you're wanting to to change. People aren't listening anymore. So what are you trying to do other than it's a Marxist revolution and you're trying to overthrow uh, the American system? Other than that, it, it's not it's not doing anything. And honestly, they haven't seen any kind of well, they've seen some challenge. There, there has been some people that have resisted um, these these rioters and whatnot. And it's, um, mm-hmm. you know, we've seen it at Lake Sturges. We've seen it in some of the rural communities where Antifa got, mm-hmm. they got, they got beat up. Uh, uh, so uh, people are tired of it. And they're seeing what they're, they're starting to understand what the riots are and what, what their positions are of like BLM and Antifa and that, that sort of thing. So they're shooting themselves in the foot if they're wanting to affect change. Which on Friday, we're going to, you mentioned BLM there on Friday, we're going to go over a list of corporations that are on board with BLM that actively give them money. We have the names of those corporations. We've got the amounts of money that they donate and what their connections are and who they donate to. Sometimes it's not directly Sometimes it's through front companies. We're going to talk about that on Friday. We're going to have to jump out of here. Today, we've spent another hour and we didn't cover everything we wanted to cover. Usually it's, it's I mean, it's going like that lately, isn't it? Things are getting it, more it is, crazy. Yeah. Things are getting so yeah. crazy. And it's like, we've got all this stuff we want to talk about. And it's like, we just can't. We, we just don't get like, we have to push it back. Like the, um, the thing on, what was it? Uh, the thing on New York, when we talked about New York, we wanted to talk about that three days ago. Yeah. Yeah, but we haven't had a chance. We've had it on the lineup, you know, because we have a we have a list of things we we want to discuss, and we just try to get to it, and we just can't most days. It's just it's terrible because there's just so much going on. For those of you who have not, and you would like to, please do give us a follow on the social media platform of Parlor. We'd love to hear from you. Love getting your echoes, your likes, your upvotes, your comments, uh, all the above. You can follow me over there at Anderson 3 You can follow Marty at Marty Foster. Also, if you don't want to reach out to us on Parlor, you could reach out to us on email. You can drop us a line anytime at tips at dynamicindependence.com. Address it to myself, Bruce, Marty, GP, any of us around here, which I'm not sure where GP is. We might have to try and track him down. Haven't heard from him in a while. I'm starting to get concerned. Nonetheless, 
Also, we would humbly ask you to recommend us to friends and family. We do appreciate those of you that do listen to us every single day. Thank you very much. So if you could pass us along to other associates that you have, we would really appreciate that. Also, if you are able to rate us, we would really appreciate you rating us on any of the platforms that you do rate podcasts on, whether it's Apple Podcasts or Podbean, any of these other platforms that have rating systems, we would appreciate that as well. Five stars would be a plus. Thank you for your time today, Bruce. And from all of us here, wherever you are in the world, we thank you for listening because it's all of you that listen that make this all possible. We love you and we love freedom and independence. And together we'll continue to fight for those in the marketplace of ideas. So we'll see all of you tomorrow.